Aloha. We're glad you've joined us for this Reunion Hawaii Church podcast. These teachings by our pastoral team are recorded live during our weekly services in Honolulu, Hawaii. We hope you will be blessed by this teaching. There is a joy to being lovesick. But there's also a pain to being lovesick. And the Lord is asking us which is greater. Because if the joy is greater, we'll, we'll pursue being lovesick with him. But if the pain is too much, we won't. And Pablo texted me earlier today and just asked how I was feeling about tonight. And I, I didn't have to think long. Two words immediately came to mind. The first one was humble. And the second one was achy, just achy. And there's a season that we're walking through as a house. It's a corporate season where many of you have told me that this is also how you're feeling, but <clears throat> there's a refining happen corp- happening corporately. And honest, how many of you feel a re- season of refining in your own life? Just raise your hand. Yeah. Um, some of the most important encounters of my life have happened in the past two weeks. And so when Pablo texted me today and asked how I was feeling, uh, I, I told him I feel like the Lord is covering me in oil. And you, you know that oil is flammable, right? It burns. And I, I felt like he's putting oil on me, but instead of lighting me on fire, he hands me the match and he says, light it whenever you're ready. And I am um, so grateful, but also so scared to hold that match and that he's trusting me with this. And I don't know how else to explain it other than this is just like one of the most sobering decisions in my life to hold that match and say, okay, refine and come and to let him burn. And it's so, his majesty is so precious because he could just do it in his own timing, but he's not. He's saying, you go ahead and do it. And I feel like that's a corporate word for some of us where we're waiting for him to do it for us. And he says, oh, here's the match. Go ahead and light it whenever you're ready. Do people feel this tonight, or is it just me? Okay. Show me your match. Yeah, it's burning. Well, if you have a match, will you walk through this with me? Because I I feel like I want some, some buddies along the way. And I know that the Lord is doing something corporate because so many of you have told me unsolicitedly um, that you're in a season where you're experiencing an overwhelming need and an overwhelming desperation for him. And I keep coming back to this word, and it usually has a negative connotation, but I don't think that it's negative right now, but he's afflicting us with this desperation and this beautiful lovesick cry to, to have more of him. And it's, again, it's not desperation because we don't have him, it's desperation because we do have him. And he, he meets us and he pulls us near and he creates this overwhelming need for more of him. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to become satiated with enough. He wants us to actually need more than what we have. And it, it's just this idea of more, more, more. And again, like I'm asking you guys to participate tonight. Show me with your hands, like don't be afraid, but is anybody else waking up in the middle of the night and your heart is just exploding for him? That's so precious. Count that as precious. Because for me, sleep is precious. 
And I can have the Lord any time when I'm awake, but why are you waking up during the thing that's so hard for me to do? But I felt like him saying, <coughs> it's these small glimpses, it's these small glimpses. I'm telling you, it's the small glimpses. And it's these small turnings of our affections to him that, that are these keys towards bursting the dam of his affections towards us. And it's, it's these moments of seeming insignificance that he so often chooses to interrupt us to see where our heart is positioned with, with him. And he doesn't give us heads up. He doesn't give us warning. He just shows up. But you have to be able to turn. Like Moses, it says he turned towards that burning bush. And it wasn't until he turned that the Lord revealed himself to Moses. And just even over the past two weeks, it's like, it's like God is purposefully picking the insignificant moments. He's picking the moments that I would least expect him to show up. We were in New York City. We're standing in the subway. We're watching rats crawl down the rail. And the Lord encounters me. And it wasn't because I was feeling so holy. I was feeling tired and angry that we had missed our subway, our sub twice in a row. You know, like we're the tourists, clearly. But he just has this encounter. He says, I'm here with you now if you want me now. But you have to turn aside to come to me. And a week later, we were in a coffee bar in an island off the coast of Massachusetts. And it was a long day. We were, we were all doing work at this coffee bar. And I had been writing sermon notes for about an hour. And they were all gar garbage. They were just trash. And I was just so mad. Like, what am I doing? Where are you, God? What's going on? And I just, I looked out the window. And it's that golden hour. The sun is just about to set. And I, I see him. And I'm a little cranky. I'm a little irritated. But I see him. It was just, it, it's purposeful. You know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you could keep going, it's like, oh, there you go. I, I see you now, God. Or you can turn your affection just a little bit towards him. And when I did, he just rushed in. He swept in as fast and as powerful as he ever has. And he just started ministering to me and, and meeting me in the insignificance. And he's doing that with some of you because you've told me that. And I know that he's doing it. <clears throat> When it comes to formulas, when it comes to how to pursue him, when it comes to, you know, we, we want the answer to all of life's questions, right? I would pay good money to have a book with all of the answers to all of my questions. But what he keeps reminding me of and where he keeps bringing me is this, is that the secret is still the secret place. The secret is still the secret place. And it's surprising to me how many times he will interrupt and tear down the mundane to make that a secret place. This, you know, if you've ever been in Manhattan in the subway, it stinks. It smells like bodily fluids. And it smells like rats. And yet, he says, if you want me to, I'll, I'll have a secret place moment with you right here and right now. A couple weeks ago, the Lord started reminding me, um, there's an old... Jesus culture songs, my soul longs for you, my soul longs for you. And um, I remember when that song came out years ago, I was like, that sounds biblical, let me find the verse. And there's several passages throughout scripture that literally say, my soul longs for you. And he's just been returning my mind and my heart to that thought that my soul longs for him, not just my spirit, but my soul. And then I'm thinking about David when he says, my heart and my flesh cry out for him. Our hearts cry out for him all the time, but I think for some of us, we're finding that my flesh is crying out for him. 
And I, I told this story to our, our Kingdom Living staff at our staff meeting this past week, where on Tuesday night, I was out running an errand. It was a normal errand. I was having normal thoughts. It was normal everything, just a normal Tuesday night. I was driving home. It, it wasn't unspiritual, but it was a very non-spiritual moment. I, the Lord was not like at the forefront of my thinking. I was singing along to music, and it wasn't even worship. Yes, I have a couple songs that aren't worship on my playlist. I was just... It was a mindless moment. It wasn't this deep moment. And during this mindless, insignificant moment, the Lord came and he gripped me. And it was like few times that he ever has in my life. And I doubled over and I groaned. And thank God I was at a red light. But it was so overwhelming. And this grip, the only wording I know, this grip took me. And he could have asked, but he didn't. He just took. And I, I grimaced, and I broke down, and I started crying. And listen, physically, my physical body, it actually hurt over how bad I needed him in that moment. Two minutes earlier, I was driving home, ready to relax and watch a movie on a normal Tuesday night, and suddenly this violent desperation took me and gripped my heart. No advanced warning. There was no preparation allowed. And I couldn't drive home fast enough to be with him, and this thought was just, I just kept saying to the Lord, like, please wait, please wait. Just wait for me there. Just wait. I'm almost home. Like, I... I know I'm not supposed to just sit in my car in traffic and do this, and I was racing home. And again, it's, I want to put this thought in our minds as a church and as a family that when the moment arrives, it's too late to prepare. We're either positioned to be imposed on by him or we're not. And I'm going to tell you, there was not a choice in that moment when the Lord showed up in my car. The secret is still the secret place. My, my general rule of thumb, my lifestyle, is that the Lord gets the first portion of my days. I spend my mornings, usually early mornings, with him. And then for the rest of the day, I put in my work, and I definitely have time with him throughout the day, but it's the early mornings that he gets my uninterrupted time, that he gets my full attention, he gets my full affection. Those are my secret places usually. But what he's doing, it's almost like this big sheet of paper and he's punching holes and creating secret places in between. In between. And for me, uh, if you know me, or if you ever come to my house, you know that once seven o'clock hits, man, I'm done. That's it, love you. But from there on out, we're just having fun. Work is done, like it's relaxation time. And I personally need the last few hours of my day to decompress and to get into rest mode. But lately what's been happening is that the Lord is, it seems like he's using my mornings as a prelude to my nights. And instead of my soul finding, um, instead of my soul finding rest in the evening through rest, what, what he's been doing now is he's been having me find rest through pursuit in the evenings. And my evenings have just been consumed by him. And it's, listen, 
It's not because I'm so holy. Those of you who know me are like, yeah, you're not that holy, bro. This isn't because I want to. I'm here to tell you it's because I need to. And he's putting a need within me and he's putting needs within you. And uh, like 80% of you raise your hands. You know exactly what I'm talking about right now. Yesterday, I'm speaking to the fellas in the room for a minute. I had a brutal day. One of my third years took me on a five-hour shopping trip to Ala Moana. Could you think, on a day that college football is happening, mind you. I mean, we shopped hard, okay? And I, I didn't have a choice. They were very insistent that I bought every single thing. But listen, even last night after this brutal day of shopping at one of my least favorite places in the world, I was done. I was completely exhausted. And as we were driving home, uh, we grabbed some food. And I, I knew that I needed to get home and eat and then put some work in on a sermon for tonight because I, I just felt like the Lord has given me fresh stuff. I needed just to move past some old stuff and give some, some fresh manna. And I get home, eat, and I, I just felt like instead of putting work in, no, that's not right. When I went to put work in to complete a sermon, what happened is he, the Lord, he came and he met me in his glory, and he met me in his own love sickness over me. He didn't meet me in my love sickness over him. I just needed to put my work in to a sermon, he, but he came with his love sickness. And I put on my headphones, and I just started to move towards my beautiful one. Like, that's all I could think about when I sat down at my desk. I just felt like I need to move toward the most beautiful one, the most precious one. And I just started asking the Lord for what it is that he's doing in my heart and what I know he's doing in so many of your hearts. And he keeps answering me, and he gives me the words, and it's just purely scripture. And so one of the things that he's just made a season of my life is this verse, or these two verses out of Isaiah 26. It says, we have waited for you eagerly. Your name, even your memory, is the desire of our souls, right? My soul longs for you. At night, my soul longs for you. Indeed, my spirit within me seeks you diligently. And I want to do something a little bit different tonight. I will preach at you a little bit tonight. I will do a little bit of teaching. But listen, if this right here has been the cry of your heart, and I saw a lot of hands go up, I actually want you to stand up right now. If this is, if this is the cry of your heart, stand up. And listen to me. God is rewarding desire. God is rewarding desire. And you will find what you're seeking tonight. I asked a few of you guys, if you wouldn't mind, to come up here um, before church, if, if that was you and you feel comfortable, come on up here. Um, but I know that what many of you have told me is that the Lord is actually waking you up in the night hours, and when he's waking you up, it's to do something very specific. He's asking you to either intercede, to pour out your affections on him, or just to be with him. And it, it just blows my mind when I think about this, that he is waking you up just so that you can ache for him. That's actually an invitation That's an invitation where he's saying, I'm giving you this need. I'm giving you this ache so that I can reward it. And this is where you need to take a risk because if this is you, if this is the cry of your heart, um, 
I felt very strongly like the Lord needed a response, so I had you stand up. And so if you want to lift your hands, great. There's no brownie points for lifting your hands. If you want to cry out to him, that's fine. Cry out to him. There's no brownie points. But I feel like he's asking us to meet him in places that he's disturbing the norm, where he's actually interrupting insignificant moments just so that you can ache for him. Do you understand what it means to be lovesick? He's aching for you to ache for him so much that he'll disturb the norm, that he'll disturb the the New York City subways, that he'll interrupt your drives home on a normal Tuesday night with normal music, with normal mindsets. And he says that there are people in the room who are actually aching for the beautiful one. And if that's you, put your hands up. I know you're standing, but give him everything. If you're one of my third years, or if you're a second year student and you're not raising hands, start moving around. I want you to physically lay hands on people. If there's somebody next to you with their hands raised, lay your hands on them right now. If your hands are raised, you get to lay hands on each other. This is actually coming into agreement with the ache of the Lord to have our ache. Yep, literally, you're going to have to put your hands on people right now. Move around the room, students. Move around the room, staff. It doesn't matter. He's he's not going to miss you just because you're moving around the room. And so spirit and the bride say come. Come for your lovesick ones. Let love flow now. Spirit and the bride say come. Come for your lovesick ones. Let love flow now. Awaken desire. Awaken aching. Awaken yearnings. God, wake us up in the night. We wait eagerly for you in the night. Your name, even your memory, is the desire of our souls. At night, my soul longs for you. Indeed, my spirit within me seeks you diligently. So reward this hunger right now. Reward this hunger with more hunger. Reward this interruption with more interruption. Reward this yes with more favor, with more blessing, with more of your presence. God, make us so uncomfortable, so uncomfortable having less of you. Comfort come. Comforter come. Now you're going to take 30 seconds and you're going to pray for the person next to you out loud. You're going to have to buddy up. And then after 30 seconds, you're going to switch and they're going to bless you. All we're doing is saying, yes, Lord, more ache, more awakening, more dreams, more of whatever you want. Start. This is your turn. Turn to your neighbor. Start praying for them. You have 30 seconds interceding over them. Pray for them like you would want them to pray for you. Welcome him over their lives like you would want them to welcome him over your life. Five more seconds and then switch. Your turn to receive now. Other person gets to bless. Keep going. Ten more seconds. Keep blessing what he's doing, what he wants to do with them.
Okay. Bless them. Give them a hug. Have a seat. Lavelle, right? Yeah, right? Okay. Am I saying that right? Well, you go by Lou. Okay. I was just being very formal with you tonight. So, um, The Lord's really highlighting you, and I saw this picture of this candle, and it was burning, okay? And um, it wasn't enough light, or it wasn't, an, it was somehow it wasn't enough. And so what you did is you took the candle to burn it at the other end, right? Like that's a saying, like burning the candle at both ends. And so you flipped it over with the intention of lighting it at this end so you'd have twice as much flame. I don't know if it was light or heat or what it was you needed. Um, but when you flipped it over, the Lord was playing... He wasn't playing a trick on you. He wasn't giving you what you wanted. And when you flipped it, it was not upside down. It, when you flipped it, it actually flipped back to where it was in the first place. So the flame was still on top. The wick wasn't on the bottom. And you're like, wait a minute. I need this flame to go down so that this one I can light. And so you took it with the flame up again. You turned it over where the flame should be down here again. But it wasn't. It was like when you did it, it was like the flame was still on top. And no matter how many times you turned it so that you could light the flame on the other end, he wouldn't let you. Um, What's that movie, Bruce Almighty or something, where he's like, how many fingers am I holding up? He's like, seven. And he's like, no, it's five. And he has like two extra fingers. Like, you can't even lose wrong in this one. It was, and I, I felt like the Lord was saying, like, I'm going to show you just how much you can trust me. Um, when the temptation comes to flip that and light the other end, for whatever reason that he was saying, he's going to say, like, I'm not going to let you. Like, the temptation is to do it, but I'm not going to let you. You can try. It wasn't, he wasn't inviting you into it, but it was like, go ahead, you can try, but it's, I'm going to make it so that it works this way. And I felt like him say, there is a purpose why it's this way, and this actually is enough. And you thinking you need to turn it over to light the other end, he said, like, you actually don't need to do that. Trust, trust, and lean on him is what he said. So can you guys just stretch out your hands to Lou? We bless what he's doing. We bless your heart. We bless your mind. I felt like he was highlighting your mind. I bless your mind. Um, in this moment, in this situation, and you don't have to figure out him flipping it up, you know, upside down when it, logic says it should be right side up. You don't have to let your mind worry about it. Just trust him and lean on him. So we bless you with that in Jesus' name. All right. Um, Connie... You don't need to stand up, but um, I sat behind you all of worship, and I'm just, you know, I'm biased. I just love Jeff and Connie. <laughs> I know I'm not alone in that, um, but I really do um, feel that it was the Lord highlighting you, not just my my deep love for you. <laughs> um, I kept, I was sitting behind you, and I um, kept having this vision of um, a gold ribbon, um, and then I it kind of morphed into... Um, like this gold ribbon um, wrapping up a gift. And I felt like the Lord was telling me, um, was speaking to me about gold. And like when I think about 
personally, when I think about gold things, um, I think of things that have value and worth, things that we assign um, like an immense amount of value, like, woo, that's very bright. Um, uh, an immense amount of value and uh, gold is expensive and it's only getting more and more expensive. And so when I saw this gold ribbon wrap around this gift, I felt like the Lord was um, speaking to me about this gift of faith that he's given you. And um, when I think about um, a gift of faith, um, or when I think about faith, um, I think of it as an acronym, full assurance in the heart. Um, it can seem so abstract um, to like, oh, what is faith? You know, I believe, but it's this steady, full assurance in your heart um, that you trust and believe that God is who he says he is. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. Um, and so, yeah, I just feel his pride and adoration over you that despite circumstances, despite outcomes, um, things that have gone wrong, um, difficulties that have occurred that you that he has gifted you with such a unique and powerful gift of faith and that it's one that's covered and clothed in gold it's something that's super valuable and super unique um and like i'm hungry to have a gift of faith like um that, that rests on your life and then the other thing that i felt was um it's all gifts. I just feel like the Lord blessing you with like a lot of gifts just because he loves you and he loves you lavishly. Um, a gift of peace and um, peace that surpasses understanding, like the biblical peace, um, not just, you know, kind of religious rhetoric, beating it into our head type of peace, but um, the peace that surpasses your circumstances and your understanding and where the world is saying, you definitely shouldn't have peace, that you actually walk in so much of it because it's supernatural and it's a gift. And so can we extend our hands to Connie? Oh, Connie, precious, precious Connie. I feel like the Lord is saying that over you. Precious, precious Connie. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your gift of faith um, that you have placed on Connie's life, that she is um, put on display for what it is to walk in radical faith and trust in you, Holy Spirit. I thank you for covering her and clothing her in radical peace that surpasses understanding, that you are filling her afresh right now in this moment with your Holy Spirit to overflow and that this gift is not just meant for you, Connie, but is meant for all those around you. And so uh, we just say yes and amen to um, oh, the fullness of your promises in Connie's life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I have one more. <laughs> um, I don't know if there is there a Molly in this room. Is anybody's name Molly? I wasn't sure. Um, if not, does anybody have, like, does that name, is that somebody's wife, sister, friend, does anybody have a Molly? Misa? Is that the only? And Kinzer? And Angela? <laughs> Are any of those, um, like, an immediate relative, like a sister? No? This is, a, they're all friends? <laughs> sister-in-law. Uh, let me ask the Holy Spirit. How about I have you guys all stand? Sorry, just the people that, <laughs> just the Molly people. <laughs> oh, it should have been more clear. Oh, man. Yeah, I just felt, um, 
I just felt over the mollies um, that you guys are standing on behalf of, um, that the Lord was saying that there's a rat, he's radically pursuing, um, he's radically pursuing them. And I don't know if they're unsaved. I had a hunch that maybe either they were unsaved or, um, you know, teetering on the line of um, whether they believe in the Lord or not. Um, and I just felt the Lord um, wants each and each one of you guys to know that you're, he's hearing your prayers for these mollies um, and that he longs to answer these prayers even more than you long for them to be answered. And um, um, yeah, so I just want to bless every single one of the mollies represented. Um, Holy Spirit, I thank you for the mollies represented in this room. Um, I stand in full faith and assurance that um, they will be saved, and we just call them home. If they are not saved, we call them home right now in your name, Jesus. We pray for fresh encounters over them, um, and we thank you for your pursuit, Holy Spirit, over their lives, um, and that you just, I just feel him saying this, that um, to not discount the word that I had all of you guys stand up, but that he is big enough and great enough um, to pursue more than one Molly. Amen. And so I thank you, Holy Spirit, um, that we are going to see um, your promises fulfilled, your goodness, um, and especially your salvation um, in these Molly's lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Gentlemen, sitting next to Julian with your hat backwards. Hi, what's your name? Israel. Israel. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Um, I just really saw the Lord highlighting you, and I feel like he was saying a lot, but um, one of the things he's highlighting is he's going to use your history from when you're in your mother's womb till this day to glorify himself in. And I feel that he's going to remind you of things that maybe you questioned if it glorified the Lord and he's gonna glorify himself in it in a new and fresh way. And I heard him say that you are a man of purity and you're a man of the living word. And I feel him saying that even if it doesn't feel like he has established his purity in you or he has established his word in you, the Lord is saying it tonight and he is saying it will be so and it is. Um, so I just acknowledge that the Lord is saying you're gonna Actually, he's increasing his purity in you um, and his holiness and the living word. That you are like a double-edged sword, if you will. So I just bless you, Israel. I bless you, Israel, that the Lord's promises and words over your life will come to full fruition. And the generations to come through your lifeline and your legacy will stand on your shoulders and will see the goodness of the living God in the land of the living. In Jesus' name, amen. And Kinzer, would you stand? I heard him say over you, Kinzer, that he was doing something very new and profound in you. And I heard him say, like, I'm always doing something new in Kinzer, but I want you to acknowledge this corporately. And I feel like you know what it is, and I just think he's actually going to give you dreams and visions to this profound, and I heard him say it's actually um, an increased measure of his power, like his tangible power that where you go, who you pray for, who you lead, um, you will actually like 
see signs, wonders, and miracles is what I heard the Lord say. So Kinzer, I bless you and Tahila for the increase and the profound thing that the Lord is doing in you and your family, that you will see the powerful God, the tangible power, the miracle signs and wonders that people will not be able to deny that God is real because what he's doing in you in Jesus' name. Amen. And then I had a couple of, is anybody here have night terrors and or can't sleep and your sleep is being stolen? Um, if you don't mind, oh, yes, hands, stand. Stand if you, if that's okay. Okay. If I could just have the people around them. Yeah. And I just feel strongly that the Lord is saying when your hands are touching them, you're not comforting them. There's power of the Holy Spirit leaving your body into theirs. So I thank you, Lord, that you created sleep. And we say tonight, enough is enough. No more sleep being stolen. Your nighttime sleep and dreams are supernatural and a way for the Lord to encounter you. The gavel of the Lord is coming down on your enemies that are trying to steal your sleep. He has found your enemies guilty. You are innocent and pure. Night terrors stop in Jesus' name. I apply the blood of Jesus to each and every one of you. Everything and every night that has been stolen of your sleep will be returned sevenfold, says the Lord. He is commanding the enemy to return every hour and every minute that was stolen of your sleep. And tonight, whenever, there will be no fear that will try to come and say, oh no, what if this doesn't happen? There will be no fear, no doubt, no unbelief. The Lord says, faith abound to you. Let faith abound to you supernatural sleep in the name of Jesus. Amen. One more. If there is anybody that feels like they're in a fork in the road and you don't know which way to go to follow the Lord. If that's okay with you, please stand. I just heard the Lord say that he is going to make the way he wants you to go very plain. It's not going to be, I felt specifically that there's times where he said, like, you can choose. I'll go with you anyway. But I heard him say tonight he's going to make the road he doesn't want you to go in murky, yucky, like a swamp. And he's going to make the road that he does want you to go lit, clear, narrow, but clarity. So actually, if you yourself would just put your hand on your head, there is clarity on which way to go, says the Lord. You hear the good shepherd's voice. His rod is good to lead you. You have eyes to see the road that is clear and lit up and narrow. And you have faith and love to consume you to follow him. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, let's see, this girl right here, you, you're looking at me right now, 
You're looking around. I think you're short sailor. Yes, you. Hi. <laughs> Sorry, I don't think I've met you, so I don't know your name. What is your name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth? Awesome. Um, would you mind standing? Is that okay? Um, I, you were immediately highlighted to me from the moment we stood on the stage, and I literally saw um, like a beam of light coming down on you, um, and I saw that with it, the beam of light connected you with heaven, and in the beam of light, there was all these like notes falling down, like written notes falling down, um, and each of them had with them like ideas and strategy and answer to prayers that the things that you've been contending for like the lord is literally just boom pouring down on you um and i heard the lord say don't worry about looking around for those answers just look up look straight up to the answer um as those things just flow down from heaven that the the specifically like strategies uh things that you've asked the lord okay how do i do this thing like he would give you heavenly strategies uh written down ready ready to go and so, Elizabeth, I just bless you uh, with everything that the Lord has for you, his plan, his strategies, his solutions, and the answers to prayer that you've been contending for. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, okay, this one is a little bit more corporate, but it's, I, I've, I felt the Lord on it. So, if all the guys in the room would stand up, every man in here. And I, I literally just felt the Lord declaring this over you. So I'm going to read this over you seven times because that's what I felt the Lord on. And so I want you to receive this um, as I'm reading it over you. And it's essentially the, what the angel declared to Gideon when he came to meet with him. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, a mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, you, mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, mighty, yes, you, mighty man of valor. The Lord, the Almighty, is with you, you mighty. Man of valor. The Lord, Yahweh, is with you. You, not anybody else. You, not the guy standing next to you. You, you mighty man of valor. Father, right now we partner with heaven for who you say we are. And I declare for every man standing here that we would receive what you are speaking over us, that we are a mighty man of God, and that you are with us. And I, I feel the Lord empowering each and every one of you uh, to stand up and stand in. Stand up and stand in. There are specific places in your life where you are to stand up as a mighty man of valor, that the Lord has given you position. And there are things in your life that the Lord is asking you to step in. And so step in, you mighty man of valor. 
In the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, hi, mine is also corporate. Um, I think it's beautiful to be a part of the global bride and he's always doing something beautiful. But I think in terms of the refining, um, this is a Kairos moment, a time, a pointed time. Um, and I, I just felt the urgency of the Lord to, um, to remind the bride that the heart is the wellspring of life. Proverbs 4 speaks to God, your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And I think some of us have taken the um, stance as protector of our own hearts, but the Lord is reminding you that He is protector. And that guarding your heart does not anymore mean to take up arms to defend yourself, that He is defender. I also think that there are hearts that have become um, calloused and hard. Um, for a myriad of different reasons. And I don't feel like, I, I do feel like it's gonna be a process with the Lord, but I think like tonight is a time that you get to realize, oh my goodness, I haven't even, I, I've forgotten I have a heart anymore. And so um, just just do a Bible study about the heart. There, it's Your heart is so valuable to the Lord and in this refining process, um, it's now time to turn a corner and look at your heart. And so um, I'm not going to tell you to do anything, but I just encourage you to position yourself before the Lord. And if that looks like taking a stand and literally standing and saying, I recognize, Lord, that no longer will I be afraid to look at the matters of the heart because it is the wellspring of life, Jesus, and you have come that I may have life and life to the full. Oh, I just encourage you to stand or kneel or position yourself um, to face the Lord again. Um, oh, wow. Jesus, we recognize that as part of the bride, you have called us to live and have life and a move and have our being, Jesus. And I just pray for every heart that is represented in this room, Jesus, that we would no longer um, have a bad attitude towards our heart, that we would, any um, language we've spoken against um, matters of the heart, Jesus, that we would just repent now, Lord. We turn away from being scared of emotionalism, Lord, that this isn't leaning into emotionalism, Lord, but this is leaning into your emotion, Jesus, your emotive love for us, Lord. We thank you that our hearts are the wellspring of life, Jesus. And any parts of us that are tired and worn out and calloused, Lord, I pray that you would come living water and just refresh. I see him like a hard, 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 dry African plain that he comes with these waters, living water and... Um, softening hearts again, Jesus. Would you come and soften hearts, Lord? We repent, Jesus, for taking up our arms to defend our, ourselves, Lord. And we, Jesus, we acknowledge that you are on your throne as protector and provider and healer and comforter. I speak over every heart. Everyone place your hand on your own heart. And I speak permission, Jesus, for you to come alive in new measures in our hearts, Jesus, individually and as a bride, Lord. We want to be the most alive people, Lord, alive with your truth.
Bless us, Jesus. Bless us to be good soil for you, Lord. Who will ascend the hill of the Lord? Those with clean hands and pure hearts, Jesus. I pray for purity of heart in this room. That we may ascend your hill, Jesus. Amen. I, the second thing I want to pray for is if you're needing physical healing in your body. Um, before you position yourself, okay, here we go. I really am struck by the conviction of the Lord. That, that, that the conviction of the truth of every single drop of his blood that was spilt was a high, high price. And he came that we, uh, that all diseases, all, there's not some, oh, I have, you know, an addendum, oh, I'm the one. No, he came that all might be healed and set free. So um, if you are needing physical healing in your body, if you know of someone you want to stand in proxy for, um, oh, I, I feel the delight of the Lord. Like he's, he is, this is, he is healer. He is healer. There's nothing that is impossible for him. And I don't just say that lightly. Like I feel the conviction of the Lord that he is healer and he is in this room. And this isn't about how you position yourself or how, or the words I say or the way you come to him. Like he is healer regardless of that. And so if you are needing physical healing in your body, take ownership, look him in the eyes and stand. And we're not gonna lay hands just yet. I want you to look Jesus in the face. The great I am, the healer. Your blood is enough. Your blood is enough, Jesus. The price you paid, your death and resurrection. Oh, Jesus. I just rebuke any spirit of... Um, Infirmity, I rebuke the spirit of infirmity right now. You have no um, authority here. You have no access. I just, um, any shackles, I just break them right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray for healing. Jesus, thank you so much for these bodies. Lord, will you be glorified in our temples in these bodies, Jesus. I pray for healing over every ailment, every sickness, every disease, every injury. Holy Spirit, I pray. I thank you for heaven. Heaven, I thank you um, for right alignment with heaven, with your word, Jesus, with you seated on the throne, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Put thanksgiving on your lips. Say, thank you for my body, Lord. And if you can, if you can just, if there's a way that you can see if there's been a change in your body, give us a, a wave or a smile or a, um, just let us know that something has shifted and changed in your body. Amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This isn't a church meet. Guys, the living God has just encountered bodies. Holy Spirit. Put your hand way up. Yes, okay. We, every, little de every degree is movement. We thank you, Jesus. Now you're going to go and lay hands on people. And before you actually put your hands, there is so much power in the name of Jesus. And there's so much power in him moving through you. So when you're going to pay, lay hands gently on the person, do it with conviction. Go find someone that's standing, please. Come on. You are the church. You is the church. <laughs> okay.
And I just encourage you to pray your own prayer over them. I'm actually not going to lead this one. And now as you pray, I want you to change it to thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, if there's a wave you can test out, and if you've seen any change in your body, give us another wave. Put your hand up. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, and here again. Thank you, Lord. And another one. Okay, guys. If you're still needing healing, I just want you to, again, look him in the face and say, thank you, Jesus, for my body. Thank you that you are moving. Thank you that you are a healer and deliverer. Thank you for your blood covering me. May you receive the reward of your suffering through my life, through my body. If it isn't finished, he isn't done. You're moving on. It's not that we're saying, okay, that part's done. It's a, I, I feel like there's a continuation. Like, Don't move your gaze from him. We're saying yes and amen, and we're covering every person. And um, I thank you, Jesus, for the work that you're doing in everybody in this room. I pray for protection. I pray that your blood would seep into every cell and that you would receive your reward, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you're doing. And if there were people in this room um, that feel a difference in the body, please go and tell someone. Go and testify. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Go and find someone that you can see that's still standing and go and testify that over them. Okay. Amen. Awesome. Okay. You, you guys just got all your exercise. You've been standing, you've been sitting, you've been getting up. I'll let you relax for a minute. I want to talk to you guys briefly about Psalm 105. I'm not going to read it. It's a very long psalm. I would encourage you to go home and read it. It's beautiful. Um, it's this, thanks, this psalm of thanksgiving of God's faithfulness to Abraham and the covenant that... Or, to God about the covenant that God made with Abraham. And it talks about the promises and the oaths that God upheld with Isaac and Jacob. And the context of the chapter, if you read it, you'll see it talks about the Lord's faithfulness to a thousand generations. It's not just my generation or your generation. It's a thousand of them. And how the Lord never breaks his word. 
He always keeps it. He, it's all about how trustworthy and faithful he is, how he gives his faithful servants not their inheritance, but he gives his servants his inheritance for the land. It talks about how protective he is of his holy ones, that he prevents harm uh, from others who are trying to overtake his, his precious ones and how he rebukes kings who try to touch his holy ones. He says, do not touch my holy ones. He does not allow the oppression to come upon them. And it talks about Moses and the Exodus and how God defended his people by sending plagues and disasters to fight for Israel and how because of the Lord's defense that is, or sorry, Egypt basically begged Israel to leave and gave them all of their riches just to get out because the Lord defended them. And 100, Psalm 105 talks about God's absolute provision in the wilderness, how he satisfied Israel with the bread of heaven, the bread of heaven. What's that? Or who's that an allusion to? Jesus is the bread of life. He's the bread of heaven. And how in the wilderness, uh, God opened the rock to bring forth living water. In the New Testament, who is called living water? No. Tricked you. It's not Jesus this time. The Holy Spirit. He's, he's the one who is said to be rivers of living waters when we worship in spirit and truth. So here we have in the wilderness, Jesus providing sustenance and the Holy Spirit quench, is quenching their thirst. And 105 talks about God covering his people with this literal cloud of protection and provision, this healing and this hope that he physically manifests them or upon them. It talks about how he brought forth his people with joy, his chosen ones with a joyful shout. He gave them also the lands of the nations that they might take possession of the fruit of other people's labor. <coughs> The vast majority of Psalm 105 is thanksgiving and celebrating what the Lord has done. But here's the catch, if you read it, when you read it. In the midst of the blessing and protection and the power and the allusions to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the context of Psalm 105 is also famine. And the context of Psalm 105 is also Joseph being sold into slavery. And it says how they hurt his feet with the fetter. They hurt Joseph's feet when they laid him in irons. And while I was just wading through Psalm 105, it was verse 19 that just jumped off the page. I want to put that on the screen here. It says, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. I don't like the word until. I want to cross that out in my Bible. And then I want to cross out the word of the Lord tested him. I just want the word of the Lord to come to pass. <laughs> Until that time that the word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. I want you to listen very carefully about what we're going to spend just a few minutes on tonight, that there are seasons where God will ask you to give his promises over you back to him. There are seasons where God will ask you to have the promises that he spoke over your life, he's going to demand them back. There are promises, there are prophetic words that God speaks over our lives, and they're for us, they're given to us. And it's not uncommon for him to say, hey, I need that back. 
Sometimes he won't even ask. And so when God takes the promise spoken over your life, when he takes back the dream, the call, the position, the purpose, the destiny, when he takes those things back, whether he asks or not, he's not doing it to be cruel. What he's doing is he's lifting the veil to see if he's really enough for us. If he's really enough for us. He's looking to find out what is our ultimate prize. What is our desire? What is the one thing that we're actually pursuing? Because if it's the promise, we're going to lose heart. It it says we'll faint with the slight of heart. But if it's not the promise, if it's his face, he'll fulfill it. He'll actually come when we say, just take it away, Lord. You can have whatever. You gave it to me. You can have it back. It's so often that in the giving back to him, he actually fulfills that promise. You ever hear that saying that there are no easy answers, but there are simple ones? Where it's this idea that many of the trials, many of the situations that you and I walk through, uh, there's nothing easy about them, but there is a simple solution. It's just difficult to walk it out sometimes. When I was a kid, my pastor said this, and uh, I'll, I'll kind of explain it, but he would talk about the Lord Um, giving promises and speaking destiny over our lives and then allowing those very promises to then die. Some of us have seen the promises on the horizon. Some of us have walked up to the door of the promise and knocked and it opens and we see it there and all of a sudden it's taken back or it dies or it becomes impossible. Don't raise your hands, but raise the hand of your heart if you know exactly what I'm talking about. Where we've stood looking that promise face to face, and then it feels like it got snatched away. Why does he seemingly allow our promises and prophetic destinies to to end or to die or to come to a halt? And it seems cruel unless you understand the nature of the Lord, because he never does things to be cruel. The reason why he does that is so that When those things die, he and only he can revive them. In other words, he wants to be the only reason why your promise comes to pass. And we say, Lord, oh, it's just you. Like, you're my only solution. Um, You have all my trust. And then the promise dies, and we're like, God, what's wrong with you? I don't trust you anymore. You either trust him or you don't, whether there's a promise in front of you or not. But when that promise dies, it will die so that he and he alone can resurrect it. Are you guys okay? He puts us in positions where promises die because he wants to be the only option available. He's the only resurrector. If there's a plan B, it means that on some level, we don't fully have trust in him. And he doesn't do this to be cruel. It's it's a lovesickness. It's a jealousy over us. We talked about holy jealousy a couple weeks ago. And again, there's something so beautiful and so sacred to what God is doing right now with us. And it's based out of need for him. And some of us are aching and saying, what is going on? Everything around me is being stripped off, is being pulled away. Every promise. And he said, I know because I need to be your only option. I need to be who you're jealous of. 
And he's fighting right now against our urge to always be building, to be hustling and moving. There's nothing wrong with those when he says to build and move and hustle. But right now, he's not on pouring out. What he's on is pouring in. And there's an increase required from us. And the preparation that's required is trust. And the preparation that he's making us walk through is waiting. I can't be the only one in the room who has promises that are on the other side of that door, but that door is locked right now. And in fact, yesterday it was wide open, but today it's locked. The breakthrough for this one, for us, is leaning, leaning on him. The breakthrough for us on this one is trusting, and it's, it's in the weakness, and it's in the aching, and it's in the yearning that he'll actually fulfill that thing we're yearning for. But listen, if we put any part of our trust on plan B or plan C or plan whatever, he's going to say, I need you to only have one option on this one, Sam. I'm actually going to strip away the other options. And some of you are experiencing grief or loss. And this is one of the things in this season the Lord has been showing me is that he'll often fight our battles in the grief, not around it, but in it. He'll actually choose the loss as that insignificant place to have a secret place with you. And he'll choose the grief, say that's the perfect place for a secret place with you. If you'll, if you'll turn aside, if you want it, I'll make that your secret place. And uh, I had somebody close to me recently say this phrase, and it just, I will, I will never forget it. They said, your tears are intercession. You don't have to fight right now with your words. You don't have to fight with whatever. Your tears are intercession. And he stands as our defender, and he's made strong where? In our strength, in our weakness. We talked about this a while ago. We have to remember that he's not looking for perfect vessels. He's looking for broken vessels. He's not looking for perfect spirits. He's looking for broken and contrite spirits. That means that in the brokenness is the answer. Brokenness isn't the answer, but the answer is found oftentimes in that brokenness. Are we okay? Is this feeding you? Because it's feeding me. Okay. I can't tell if this is... I just can't tell what's happening out there. I had a prophetic word for somebody recently, and it went something like this. I saw them eating a watermelon, and uh, they were taking bites, and they were having to spit out the seeds to the watermelon. And this person looked at the Lord and asked him, hey, can I have a seedless watermelon? That would be so much easier than having to like chew carefully, spit out the seeds, you know. And the Lord said to this person, he said, I can give you a seedless watermelon if you want. It'll be easier. There just won't be any life in it. It'll be easier, but there just won't be any life in it because life is in the seeds. Do you know how you make seedless watermelons? You have to like basically genetically modify healthy watermelon seeds that create this thing that has no seeds. So seedless watermelons don't reproduce. That's it. It's the end of the line. They have to kind of make this, these scientists in a lab make those watermelons. Think about that. The seeds that are 
often in the way, that they're an obstacle, that they slow us down, that they make it less convenient. When you spit them out or if you take them out and put them in the ground, that's what life comes from. There's life in the seed. And I felt this with this person, like the Lord say, hey, don't, um, don't throw out the speed bumps, at least in this season. Um, we don't embrace difficulties because we're trying to martyr ourselves, but I feel like embracing obstacles in some seasons is important because he's in the obstacles. And life is in the seed sometimes. I felt very strongly... Um, for us corporately, and I'm not projecting this if this isn't your personal season, but corporately, um, there's a season of waiting going on for a lot of us, a season of waiting, and it feels like a season where many promises um, are either so far distant or they're, they're dead, and it feels like a season where a lot of things that have mattered to us have been stripped away, not by choice. And I felt like the Lord say, hey, you know that watermelon seed? When you take it and you put it in the ground, the only way that life comes from it is if it dies first. God's promises over your life are irrelevant of man's circumstances. The Lord brought this to mind. It was when his brothers were filled with hateful jealousy that they threw Joseph into the pit, right? Psalm 105 talks about they hurt him when they put his feet into fetters. And according to anybody who knew Joseph probably, they would say that his circumstances, his life and his de destiny were done. But his brothers didn't have the power to stop God from bringing forth Joseph's destiny. Did Joseph's destiny come the next day after the pit? No, it took some time. There was a process, but I'm going to tell you one way or the other, that process was God's plan. It was like, if this is where God is putting Joseph and he's here, whether his brothers threw him in a pit and he had to go this way, or whether he could have just gone this way, there was still a process to get to that place. God intervened for Joseph, and he turned these evil actions of his brothers into something good. And listen to me very carefully. People may take things from you. People may take your dreams, your destiny, your promises. People may take those things, but they actually can't because that's in God's hands and not theirs. They'll try. They'll throw you into a pit. They'll hurt your feet with fetters. And God says, oh, that's fine. I, I know the detour. We'll go that way. And I'm going to make it better than my plan was originally. So where, where I just want to spend a couple minutes and we'll get out of here. Um, I've been hanging on this thought for a couple of months, but it's the same God who by his own hand drowned Pharaoh's army in, in the, the sea, right? The same God who with his own hand drowned the army. He's also the same God who left giants in the land of Canaan for Israel to conquer by their own hand. And this happens on a personal level with us where some moments of our lives, God will instantly heal you. He will instantly deliver you. He will instantly take you from A to B. No journey necessary. You're just instantly there. That's the miracle. 
But there are some moments where God has us walk through prolonged seasons to reach that same point of freedom. That's the process. And he uses both. This is the difference between overcoming faith and enduring faith. They're both faith. One is the momentary miracle, the overcoming of the thing, but the other is the enduring. And what happens is that many of us love the overcoming faith, the dunamis, the power, the instantaneous gratification, and we don't really care for the process. Do you know that if you never walk through a process, you will never have enduring faith? And this is where a lot of us get tripped up and frustrated and lose hope because somehow we've, we've believed this lie that real faith is the instantaneous miracle. And enduring things for a long time goes against God's plan. Now, is that true sometimes? Absolutely. Israel wasn't supposed to be in the wilderness for 40 years. It was supposed to be like eight days or something like that. But I want you to understand that enduring seasons that he's asking us to walk through is victory. If we're going from A to B, B isn't always the victory. Sometimes it's in between that the victory comes. So listen, how long was Jesus, sorry, how long did the Holy Spirit bring Jesus into the wilderness for? 40 days. That's a, that's a pretty decent season. It wasn't four days. It wasn't 14 days. It was 40 days. And what was the result of 40 days in the wilderness? And then after 40 days, he was hungry because he was fasting. And then the devil came and tempted him. It wasn't 40 days of tempting. It was like this long season of, I'm going to use this word loosely, but like nothing. And then the temptation came. What was the result of Jesus going through that wilderness season? Well, that actually launched his ministry. It's where his ministry began. And to start, um, in Matthew 4, if you ever read that account, what happened immediately after coming out of the wilderness is that Jesus fulfilled prophecy that had been written about him. He walked in the promise that was spoken about him because he went through the wilderness. He didn't walk in that promise before the wilderness. It came afterwards. I, I just can't get past that. It was the wilderness season that Jesus was led into that fulfilled the things that were written about him. What happened after that? Immediately after that, it, this wilderness season led to the calling of others to follow him, his disciples. His season of wilderness started his ministry, but it also started the ministry of 12 others who would change the world because of the wilderness, because of a season, because of enduring that season. Here's a lesson I've learned. I'm still learning it. Don't like it, but it doesn't make it less true, is that no wilderness, no ministry. You're in the ministry. You're a believer. Your life is ministry. You have a calling. and you're, Listen, people think ministry means being a pastor. Ministry isn't to you. Ministry is to the Lord. Everyone has a call on your life. You're a minister to him. And I'm going to tell you, no wilderness, no ministry. I want us to understand that being in the wilderness doesn't necessarily mean that you have lost. 
Being in the wilderness does not mean that you have less faith. It does not mean that you're going in the wrong direction towards God's plan for your life. Because listen, who led Jesus into the wilderness? Was it the devil? It was the Holy Spirit. God himself led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. When did the glory of Jesus begin to be fully manifested? Was it before the wilderness or after? It was after. God will sometimes choose to reveal his miraculous, overcoming side of his nature. But other times, he will choose to reveal himself, his miraculous provision, and his sustenance through a process that we have to walk out with him. You cannot spiritually skip the process. And so that's why it's good to know what season you're in. Because some seasons he's saying like, hey, I need you to just instantly be at point B. You're in A and tomorrow you'll be at point B. But other times he'll say like, hey, Raquel, you're going to be in the wilderness for 40 days. And if we don't understand that there is such thing as enduring faith, we'll feel like, have I sinned? Like, why am I not instantly there? Where's the overcoming that I'm used to? God has many sides to his nature, infinite sides. And some of those sides are only revealed. They can only be revealed through those powerful overcoming moments. But there's other sides that can only be revealed when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Have you read the Psalms before? I've read the Psalms almost exclusively for nine weeks. I cannot get out of them. And I'm just, the Lord is showing me so many things. I am shocked because I I know it's in there, but I'm shocked at how frequently David and other psalmists start their Psalms. It's almost like a complaint, like, God, hurry up. Where are you? He churches it up. How long, oh Lord, will you keep your servant waiting? Like, he's pretty, he's pretty clear, like, Do you not hear me? Like, he'll say things like that. Are you not listening? Do I need to wake you up? It's everywhere. Have you read the Gospels? I have. They're really good. (laughs) If you've read the Gospels, you've heard things like this. My father, if it's possible, let let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Do you understand? That's not an overcoming moment. That's an enduring moment. I've prayed for years. You ever know like really good prayers that you know are the right thing, but when he answers them, you just wish you would have taken a little bit easier of a route because he'll answer those tough ones. And one of the prayers I've prayed, I think for my whole adult life has been, Lord, help me to never waste my pain. I never want to waste this pain. I don't want pain, but if I'm going to walk through pain, let me learn what I need to learn. Let me grow how I need to grow. Because there are sacrifices, there are some sacrifices of the heart that can only be given to him in the trial and in the grief and in the loss and in the pain. You don't get those opportunities sometimes in the happy and the joy and the smiling. It's just, that's just how it is. And there are sides to his nature that you can only learn on a yada, that personal experiential level, in pain. We'll never glorify pain. I, I have a strong dislike for pain because the Lord has a strong dislike for pain. But I want to just really quick as we finish 
look at some of the names of God. Okay, so what are some of the names of the, the Holy Spirit? Somebody call out, what is one of the names of the Holy Spirit? Comfort. Comfort. I'll, I like that one because I wrote it down. Okay, stop. That's too many. No, I'm kidding. I asked. You, you, you didn't know when to stop. But I like comforter. Counselor. Okay, let's, let's go through these. Counselor. His name is counselor. counselor. When do you need counsel? When things are understandable or when things are confusing and chaotic? So when does he reveal himself as counselor? Right? Comforter. I heard that one. When do we need comfort? Do we need comfort when we're comfortable or when we're uncomfortable? That sounds like an enduring moment. He's the advocate. When do we need advocacy in front of a judge? When things are peaceful or when we're under attack and facing accusation? What are some of the names of God the Father? Well, I'll help you because I want to just talk about the ones I wrote down. <laughs> Jehovah Jireh, my provider. When I was a kid, we used to sing this song, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And I lived in New York, so everyone had like the New York accent. And so when we would sing it, people, I, I didn't know how to say this because we would say like, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And I just, my mom used to get mad. I was like, that's what they said, the guy next to me. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, right? Well, listen, when do we need provision? During seasons of overflow or during times of lack? God, reveal yourself. He's like, okay, here's some lack. So I can show you, prove to you my provision. Do you understand how this works? The nation of Israel spent time in the wilderness. Jesus spent time in the wilderness. They both spent time in the wilderness. Israel wandered in the wilderness about 39 and a half years too long. Jesus spent the exact right amount of time in the wilderness. Both Jesus and, uh, Jesus and Israel were brought into the wilderness by God, but only one of them learned to fully rely on him in that season. Only one of them, throughout all plan B's, plan C's, plan Q's, plan F's, whatever, and only one of them relied fully on him. We have to move past this idea. Listen, I'm all about the miracles. I'm all about the signs. I'm all about the wonders. I'm all about the healings. I'm all about the instantaneous overcomings that the Lord promises to be for us. He, he says you are more than an overcomer. So if we don't have those overcoming moments of faith, we're not living up to the floor of what we're supposed to be standing on. But how many of you know there's wilderness seasons and the Holy Spirit will actually lead us into wilderness seasons to test us. And it's, it must be humorous for God to lead us into the wilderness to test us. And then us start crying out, God, why is all this attack coming? Why do I feel so singled out and, and tested? He's like, because I'm testing you. Israel failed almost every test God gave them. It says he tested their hearts and they failed him over and over. Jesus never failed one, and Jesus was the one who spent the exact right amount of time in the wilderness, and he came out completely victorious. We're actually going to talk about the wilderness next week and how um, Jesus is actually the perfect um, picture 
of all of the tests that Israel failed, Jesus actually passed all of them. It's crazy. Like when you look like, oh, they failed this test and then Jesus passes that exact test. You can stay seated. Just close your eyes. I want to pray for us. Father, forgive us for thinking that all we need is dunamis power, that all we need is overcoming faith or else our faith is weak. We, re- we repent of that. And I rebuke that thought that endurance is actually weakness. Thank you, Jesus, that you showed us the beauty of endurance when you said it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross, endured it. God could have let Jesus walk up to the cross and snap it in half and say, I'm the champion of the world, but he didn't. He endured the cross. So Father, teach us to put our gaze, to transfix our eyes on the joy that is set before us so that we choose to endure what you're asking us to endure. Would you bring comfort to those who feel their promises are dead? Would you bring support to those who feel like they're stuck in the waiting? I'm I'm prophesying over you right now. He will meet you in the waiting. He will fulfill in the waiting. He will answer in the waiting. He does not cause the problems, but he lives in those problems sometimes. So comforter, come. Counselor, come. Advocate, come. Jaira, come. For those who are in the chaos, who are under accusation, who are in the waiting, who have seen... The, the, the seeds that they're waiting to grow, that the, the seeds seem dead. Well, the life comes from the seeds, and it takes time, and there's a process. So, Father, help us to endure that process. Would you glorify your name, Jesus? Would you glorify your name in us, in the waiting? And I bless you to hear his voice in the waiting. He is not far. Father, punch through the mundane. And church, wake up. Open your eyes. Turn to him because he will, he just needs a glimpse. He just needs a glimpse. He will make a secret place in the wilderness. He'll make a secret place in the subway sewer. He's not afraid to prove himself. He's not afraid to be close. He's not afraid to be near. So thank you, King, for your endurance. Thank you, King, for your overcoming. Thank you, King, for lavishing us with affection and love. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. For more teaching like this, subscribe to this podcast. If you would like more information about Reunion Hawaii Church, our website is reunionhawaii.com. If you're in Honolulu, join us Sundays at 5, live at Kahalama. Aloha.